medicine of East Asia is based on a science that does not hold itself separate from the phenomena that it seeks to understand. Our medicine did not grow out of petri dish experimentation or double-blind studies. It arose from observing nature and our part in it. Chinese medicine evolves not from the examination of dead structures, but rather from living systems with their complex, mutually entangled interactions. Welcome to Chiological. I'm Michael Max, the host of this podcast that goes in-depth on issues pertinent to practitioners and students of Chinese medicine. Dialogue and discussion have always been elemental to Chinese medicine. Listen into these conversations with experienced practitioners that go deep into how this ancient medicine is alive and unfolding in the modern clinic. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Geological. Today's episode started out as a solo show. It's the beginning of the new year, at least as we count it here in the West. And I wanted to let you know what Geological has in store for you here in the coming new year. These past four months have been sort of a pilot for me to see if this series, which is specifically geared to practitioners of East Asian medicine, would be of interest to the practitioners of the art. The answer has come back with a resounding yes. So much so that I've decided to move the show from bi-monthly to weekly. You can make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to Geological on iTunes or wherever you like to stream your podcasts. Like most of you, my work is centered around my clinical practice. You know, most of us practice by ourselves. And depending on where we live, how we structure our days, we may or may not have an opportunity to chew the fat with other practitioners, learn something about their clinical observations, or have a chance to share something we've discovered in our patient encounters. With Geological, I'm seeking to bring you the voices and experience of practitioners who have been marinated long enough in practice to have a point of view that's unique to them, to bring you some new ideas and different perspectives that might help to enliven your clinical practice, and to create a space for our community, in essence, to have an opportunity to listen to itself and to create a forum where we can learn from one another. These conversations come to you through the generous support of our sponsors and members. All the sponsors here provide helpful products or services that you'll find beneficial in your clinical work. Worried that an EMR is too complex for you? Jane has friendly and knowledgeable support. Mayway Herbs is celebrating the 55th year of their family business. You're invited to make use of their vast library of resources. Are you concerned about the health of Mother Earth? AccuFast Needles is doing something about that. You can too. And later in the show, Ancestral Sturman offers up a sinew treatment, and the folks at Blue Poppy have something special to share as well. Do be sure to visit the sponsors page on the Geological website to take advantage of all the special offers our terrific sponsors have for listeners of the podcast. I don't know about you, but sometimes I take a step back and marvel at my acupuncture needles. I mean, they're the world's simplest medical tool, a sharpened wire and a handle. That's it. And with this simple tool, hundreds of health conditions can be resolved. I love it. What I didn't love was the amount of packaging waste I generated at the end of the day. But that has now changed too. 
Ever since I switched to AccuFast Earth-Friendly Needles, I reduced my packaging waste by 90%. Not only are they a great needle, but the folks at AccuFast plant a tree for every two boxes of needles I use in the clinic. By switching to AccuFast Needles, you'll be helping patients, planting trees, and joining a community of practitioners changing the world. Like our simple needle, being a part of the solution, it's simple too. Visit AccuFastNeedles.com slash geological to learn how. Hi folks, I'm Yvonne Lau, president of Mayway Herbs. Our family business turns 55 this year, and we wouldn't have gotten this far without the love and support of our community. We're truly grateful and promise you that we'll continue to work hard to support you and your practice. Please visit Mayway.com to find the perfect Pumsar brand formula or formulate your own in our dispensary. Our site also has lots of articles, videos, and herbal recipes for you to explore. And tune into our podcast, Chinese Medicine Matters, for insightful discussions on all things TCM. Learn about treatment strategies and powerful herbal remedies. As we welcome the month of May, our focus is on women's health. Our newsletter articles and podcast episodes this month will highlight different aspects and unique challenges women face. So subscribe or tune in. And if you're a practitioner, get a discount on our women's health formulas this month. Just visit Mayway.com. This season and every season, trust Mayway Herbs for your health and wellness needs. And thank you for supporting Real Chinese Medicine. I love how technology can help to automate my office. And I want to share with you my favorite tool for doing so, Jane. Jane is a clinic management software in EMR with a human touch. Whether you're switching your software or going paperless for the first time, the Jane team knows that the onboarding process can feel a little overwhelming. That's why with Jane, you don't just get software, you get a whole team. Included in every Jane subscription is their award-winning customer support available by phone, email, and chat whenever you need it, even Saturdays. You can also book a free account setup consultation to review your account and ensure you feel confident about going live. If you're interested in making the switch to Jane, head to jane.app/switch to book a one-on-one demo with a member of their support team. And be sure to mention the code geological at the time of sign up for a one-month grace period on your new Jane account. So often we spend our days going deep in one-on-one encounters with our patients. But how often do we get a chance to share what we've learned with our colleagues? One of my intentions with Geological is to give us a place to share some of what we've learned with our colleagues and those who are in the process of learning the healing arts of East Asia. In just a couple of minutes, my friend, Paola Campanelli, who's a devoted student of shiatsu, Chinese herbal medicine, and the Chinese language, will be joining us. Astute readers of the Journal of Chinese Medicine will recognize her name as one of the editors of that fine publication. Originally, I planned on today's show just being this really short solo show here at the beginning of the new year as a way to give you a sense of what you can expect from Geological in the coming year. But recently, Paola and I were going through some lines of the Shanghan Lun as explained by Dr. Feng Shirlun, who lives in Beijing. By the way, I'll have an interview about Dr. Fung's methods for you later in February. This particular perspective was started by Dr. Hu Shishu, 
who was a Shanghai Moon expert in the last century. Dr. Feng is one of his main students. And Dr. Hu Shishu had a different perspective on how to view and use the six levels that really will probably bend your mind a little bit. And it's really useful in clinical practice, but more about that show in February. Anyway, I was thinking of asking Paola to be on the show. You know, as a shiatsu practitioner, I suspect she has particularly skilled hands when it comes to understanding channels and points. She, however, turned the tables on me and said she had some questions for me and about what got me going and what got me started with this podcast series. So today, here at the start of the Western year, in the beginning of Geological coming to you on a weekly basis, the ever thoughtful and inquisitive Paola Campanelli will be your guest host, and you'll get yours truly as the guest of the show. But first, a couple quick reminders before we start. If you find Geological to be helpful, please take a moment and visit the website where you can click on the link that will take you to the iTunes page, and there you can rate and review the show. Writing a few words in your iTunes review helps other practitioners of Chinese medicine and acupuncture to find this show and find these resources that you've been finding to be helpful. I'd also love to hear your comments and feedback and to also know what topics you'd like to hear more about and also suggestions for practitioners that you'd like to have on the show. You can send me an email from the website as well. Finally, if you have comments that you'd like to share with our community of practitioners, visit Geological's Facebook page and leave your thoughts over there. Thanks again for listening. Dajia Xinian Kuaila. Happy New Year, y'all. And now, without further ado, here's Paola Campanelli pointing the microphone at yours truly. So, I'm Paola Campanelli. Uh, I'm a Chinese medicine and uh, shiatsu practitioner and teacher. And I've met uh, Michael in 2006 in a very small restaurant in Chengdu opposite the Chinese medicine uh, university hospital. And uh, uh, I think, Michael, you were visiting China at that time. You weren't living there. And I was in a short uh, three months study period. And that meeting was um, key to maturing the decision <laughs> I had playing with at the time to go back to China for a much longer time. So uh, we've known each other since then. And uh, yeah, so today I'm happy to be here at Geological and have the opportunity to interview. Yes, I'm happy to have you here at Geological with the opportunity to interview it. You know, it was so funny because I remember saying, Paula, I'd love to have you on the show. And you go, well, actually, I'd like to interview you. I've got some questions. Yes, I, I do. I do. So uh, can I just start with one? Yeah, just jump on in. Well, actually, I, it's a good choice. There is a few that... Um, well, one is, is geological. This name is intriguing, and I have my own interpretation of it, but I'm really curious to hear where that name came from and um, how you see it. Ah, uh, yeah, the, the name. That's <laughs> this, is, this is a good story, at least in my opinion, it's a good story. You know, I, I do a clinic newsletter 
I write once a month and I've got a, a mailing list and I send it out to patients and, and actually it goes to lots of other people at this point. And that monthly musing on medicine that I do, it always comes from what's unfolding and happening in my clinic. Questions people come to me with, insights my patients have, insights I get. I mean, there's always so much in clinic that just, you know, just sort of stirs my imagination, stirs my heart. I get so much rich material. And the name Geological came out, came from my clinic. I've got this patient who is this incredible artist with wrought iron. And she's she's a poet. I mean, just the way she speaks is, is phenomenal. Very, very interesting person. I love her dearly. She gets off the table one day and she she goes and she's and she's from Britain. So she goes, wow, Michael Max, what was that? That was absolute. That treatment was absolutely geological. And I go, geological. Huh? And I just I love the word. So I wrote it down because I didn't want to forget it. And I had no idea what I'd do with it, but I just, I loved the word. And so it sat on a post-it note on my desk, really for months, because I was just stewing on the word. And then as I was trying to come up with a name for the podcast, I came across that post-it note and I went, <laughs> yep, that's it. So that's where it comes from. Yeah, wonderful. A a treatment, a creative patient, and uh, a podcast project that was waiting for a name. Exactly. Yes. Mm. Yes. Mm. Yeah. A number of influences that just sort of came to fruition all at the same time. Yeah. Well, you know, this podcast, Geological, is the second uh, podcast you embark on. The first one being Everyday Acupuncture Podcast. And since I've known you, you've been creating uh, or engaging in a series of projects, amazing projects, one after the other. And this is actually, I think, the key um, reason why I thought I'd really like to interview you. So it, I, I might miss some, but you know, since we've known each other, you've translated the Huang Huang's book on the 10 formula families, mm -hmm. which was a huge endeavor. And you created a website and you created a newsletter, mm. which is, uh, I mean, the, the name doesn't really do it justice. It's something different. And, and yeah, it's, it's not quite a newsletter, but let's call it the, the newsletter. And, and then the two podcast series that we've mentioned. So I think many people uh, have brewing ideas and creative projects, and some of us manage to dish some out sometime, but like you've been incredibly productive. And so I've got loads of questions around that, but one of them is uh, what allows you to... Yeah, cultivate your ideas and bring them into reality like that. Wow. You know, it's so interesting uh, hearing you phrase this question, mention the things that I've been doing. I, I often don't think about it that way. I'm just me doing what I do. But where does that come from? I've, I've had some other people mention that from time to time. Um, some of it 
comes from kind of an innate curiosity about things. And I think I'm one of those people, I learn more from experience than I, I mean, I, I love to read books and I love to, to get information from other places, but I, I learn more from my experience than from reading things. Um, and I learn more from my own experience than I do from other people's experience, which actually gets me into a lot of hot water from time to time because, you know, it's like I have to go bang my head on that wall to really find out about that wall. So I guess I've also got a bit of fortitude in that I'm willing to have tons of failure in service of discovering something interesting. Um, mm. And in some ways, it's only failure, you know, if you stop. There's, there's always something to learn. And I'm just kind of curious about things. And I like to make things. I've always liked to make things. I mean, when I was a kid, I think I was in the seventh or eighth grade, I remember taking a shop class in junior high school where we made things, right? I made like fireplace tools. Gosh, I can remember this. I made fireplace tools. I made a little bookshelf, uh, probably some other stuff. But those are the things that I mostly remember. And... I loved that shop class. I loved it to pieces because I loved making things. And I remember talking to my parents about how much I loved it. And I wanted to continue taking shop classes. And they were horrified. And they wouldn't allow me to do it because, well, you're not working with your hands. You're a smart kid. You're a nice Jewish boy. You're going to work with your, with your mind. You're going to college. But I've always enjoyed making things. And I think some of this comes from that sense of, I want to create something. And, and partly from my own enjoyment and pure pork pleasure of discovery. And increasingly, as I get older, because I want to be able to contribute something. And, you know, I've been in Chinese medicine. Now. I've been a student of Chinese medicine for 20 years-ish. And... You know, creating something for my community, creating something that makes a difference is important to me. And the other thing that I have found, you know, like especially with the Huang Huang book and, and now with, with the podcast series, um, I love my clinical work and I, and I do my clinical work every day. Well, not every day, but five days a week. And I can basically help one person at a time, which is wonderful. And I love the work. But I can only help one person at a time. And when I do things like translate books, or, or hopefully with Geological here, I'm hopefully able to help other practitioners help their patients. So I can be in service of just more than one person at a time. So I think those are some of the influences that drive me mm -hmm. in this. Um, mm -hmm. That along with I don't watch much television. I prefer to read books. I... Life is short. And I, and I guess the bottom line, too, is that doing these kinds of things really invigorates me. I mean, it gives me energy. It gives me juice. I can get up at 5.30 in the morning, meditate for a bit, and then jump into working on the, on the geological website to make it better, you know, for a half mm -hmm. hour before I sit down to breakfast and then go to work. And these kinds of activities do not take away from my energy or take away from my attention, they, they add to what I do in the day. So it gives me energy to do these things. And I, and I think that's why I do them. Mm. Yeah. I mean, the, the, uh, I, 
I can I can relate that to my experience of your work. And I think there is a sense that I, I've never had a sense that you were um, creating a product, right? Mm. Um, there is always a sense that you are working on your path and you're uh, undertaking projects that um, interest you because you want to learn something from them. And and the, um, that's my perspective on it. Yeah? <laughs> and that... Um, the deadline you might have or the goal you might have of presenting that to a larger public might be, you know, maybe the fire or part of the fire that accelerates the process <laughs> or that coagulates the process, right? Yeah, uh, I find deadlines are really wonderful for focusing attention. Yeah, and as you were talking, I remember two projects that I hadn't mentioned, and one was a... Uh, course to help uh, acupuncturists to have a good presence online <laughs> and the, yeah <laughs> Let, tell me about that Lars. oh god that was that was like an epic fail <laughs> oh was it yeah it was oh my god i put in tons of time on that thing time sweat blood tears money i had a professional editor go over all my all my uh written material and dialogue yeah, and I, oh my God, I, I mean, I put a summer in on that thing, and I, it just didn't do well commercially. I mean, people just were not that interested in it, and I, I mean, I really thought I had a great thing with that. I thought, you know, I was going to teach acupuncturists to do their own search engine optimization on their website, right? I mean, mm -hmm. this is a service lots of people go out and pay hundreds of dollars for, and then are, you know, not that crazy about the results that they got. And there's actually some very easy things that I thought that people could do, but it's a DIY sort of thing. You got to do it yourself and you got to mm -hmm. put in the time and it takes some time um, to get your website, you got, you know, fixed up in a certain way and with the right kind of content written in the right way. And then Google will naturally find you in local searches for um, particular keywords. And... I, I had a few friends test it, but I, I really should have had more people test it, and I really should have tested my testers and paid attention to how many people completed the testing, because actually not a lot of people did. Um, mm -hmm. I should have learned earlier on that there really wasn't an audience for this kind of thing. I mean, I thought it was a good idea, and I was like, hey, it's a great idea, full steam ahead. And then not much happened after that. Whether you have not an audience for something, is that something you would uh, find out through testing? I think there are ways to test it and see if people are actually interested. I mean, just because I've got an mm -hmm. idea floating in my head doesn't mean it's a good idea. I have ideas all the mm -hmm. time. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I think, yes, from a business point of view, from a, 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 a sustainability point of view, it's probably better to test things early and see if there's really an interest that people have in something. So for let, let me give you an example of something that's working better. Um, Geological, for instance, is doing much better. And I, I didn't even think about, I mean, the idea to do Geological, I mean, I didn't, I didn't need to do a second podcast. I mean, you know, it's not like I got a ton of spare time. But the reason I started to do Geological was because I noticed that with everyday acupuncture, even though I made it for the general public, the idea was to create this to help educate people in case they were thinking about acupuncture. 
and, mm-hmm. and ideally give them some things that they could do on their own to help themselves. What I found out was lots of practitioners and lots of students were listening to everyday acupuncture. Lots of people. Mm-hmm. And so there's this part of me that had this itch for, well what about a show where we could go like really deep and geeky into the medicine and make something specifically for practitioners? I mean, they're already listening into this thing that I didn't, I thought would be too simple for them. So I decided to do this pilot with Geological, you know, which I, I launched it at the end of August of uh, 2017. And uh, we're having this conversation here in December of 2017. And yeah, next year it goes from bi-monthly to weekly because there's just that amount of interest. Wow. I know. It's been very surprising. Yeah. Can you give us an idea of how many people, did you know how many people are listening to Geological? Well, at this point, there have been, I I was looking at the stats the other day, I think there's been about 7,000 downloads of shows. Uh Uh-huh over you know between august and now wow yeah and every time a new one goes out a few more people listen so it the 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 listenership is building yeah 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 what about everyday acupuncture well i i keep doing it i used to do it more often but now uh, i've dialed it back to one show a month yeah that that's something i love to do again i'm delighted that practitioners and students listen i'm delighted that they find value there uh, my audience and my goal with that is as it was in the beginning, which is to give everyday people a, a glimpse into something that might be helpful for them. You know, a lot of times people will go onto Google and they'll they'll do a search. It's like, uh, you know, acupuncture for menstrual pain or whatever, acupuncture for acid reflux. And then, you know, they'll come up with something. And sometimes what they'll come up with now because the SEO is pretty good on on everyday acupuncture, uh, they'll come up with a podcast show that is mm. about the condition that they've got that they would like to get treated or they would like to get better. And hopefully I'm providing them with some resources that will help them in the moment, right? Because usually the practitioners mm. I interview have some things that people can try, but also to give them the idea that you know, there's something beyond drugs, there's something beyond supplements, there's there's something else out there that might help them and maybe encourage them to go find a practitioner. Yeah, I like that. In I've, I've listened to quite a few of the uh, Everyday Acupuncture podcast and I really appreciated or noticed, yeah, and appreciated when you brought the question to a practical thing that people could do, you know, simply at home. It was like a recurrent theme, podcast after podcast, and uh, yeah, it was great to to have that. Yeah, it, well, this to, this together. This is a recurrent theme, and you know, and back to that SEO thing for a moment, <laughs> the epic fail. Mm-hmm. I just want to mention yeah. this for for our practitioners that are listening. You can do this with your website, right? If you create content on your website specifically dealing with an issue. And then in that content, be sure to give the reader something that they might be able to do on their own, right? Give them something that might actually help them stay out of the doctor's office. And, and, and that even includes yours. Be generous. <laughs> give them something like yeah. that. And I found it really helpful because 
number one, if we can help people without ever meeting them, we're really doing our job. And number two, it's just helpful to be generous that way. Um, mm. And it shows your expertise. So it, it's one of the great ways to make your website, make your phone ring a little more often if, if you do that kind of writing. And um, it, Google picks that stuff up. And then if people are searching for a certain problem and they find you, they're going to be really happy that they found you because they found someone who's intelligent, who's generous with their information and, and clearly knows their stuff. So if they're looking for a practitioner, they're probably go you're going to go to the top of their mind, generally speaking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, it, and uh, it shows the practical side of Chinese medicine. You know, when, when you give simple practical advice, it, became, it becomes something that can be part of people's life. It's understandable. Exactly. As opposed to a mysterious practice, you know, that practitioners are in charge of. everyone, Anne Cecil Sturman here. A working knowledge of the eight extraordinary channels from the unbroken oral tradition of acupuncture is valuable beyond words. The power of these channels is tremendous if the practitioner has well-integrated diagnostic, theoretical and practical skill. You'll be familiar with Dumai, the governor channel or the sea of yang, the primal reservoir of yang which ultimately finances all movement and growth. But this channel also governs the ability to self-determine. The psycho-emotional presentation of your patients can be matched to a classical activation of this channel, clearing impedance in the free flow of yang chi to body, mind and spirit. I'd like to share with you the marvellous potency of the Do channel in a full-length live treatment video from the seminar I taught last year in Melbourne, Australia. It's at ancecilsturman.com forward slash sinews2024. Click on the jump to free teaching button or see the link on my Instagram page at ancecilsturman. Thanks, Michael. Back to you. Hmm. Yeah, it, it, takes, it takes the mysteriousness out of Chinese medicine, which, you know, it's so hmm. easy to have that because... Folks in the West just don't know that much about Chinese medicine, especially here in America. Yeah, so you've mentioned, yeah, you mentioned, you know, failures. I'd, I'd like to put that into inverted commas. <laughs> and, and obviously, you know, there's been a lot of successes. Uh, and, you know, there is, a, there is a famous quote, you know, we learn from failure, not from success. We actually think we learn from both. Mm. They're like the yin and yang of learning, if you want. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I wonder, you know, in, in this path of yours, especially I'm thinking about the um, uh, podcast experience, um, can you talk about some of the learning experiences, you know, whether they can be labeled as failures or successes that, um, that you've, you've had hmm. that have been important for you? Yeah. Um, hmm, that's a, let me chew on that for a moment here. Some failures with this. It, oddly enough, with the podcast series, these things have just sort of rolled along with their own head of steam. And I, I wouldn't say I've had any big failures like I had with the, with the SEO project. Um, I, but I do have constant and continuous learning. 
with this. Yeah, tell us about that. So, okay, so for example, and, and some of this is like self-development stuff. This is Some of this is just stuff I've learned about myself. So um, a lot of people think I'm an extrovert, but the truth is I'm an introvert. And, you know, introverts, it, it's not that we're not friendly and it's not that we're not interested in being out in public. It's, it's just that we get our energy more from being quiet than, than um, a lot of socialization and, and activity. And when I first started doing the podcast, uh, Everyday Acupuncture in particular, there's this part of me that kept thinking, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of this shy guy. And, and I kept remembering the voice that I had when I was 13 and first heard it on a tape recorder. And I thought that was my voice still. And, and as I did the podcast and started to listen to it and do the editing, I was like, Whoa, this does not sound like that 13-year-old me. <laughs> Surprisingly. <laughs> I mean, you think I would have noticed a little earlier, right? <laughs> so some of it is, is, is just recognizing distance that I've traveled. Some of it is just, you know, we're talking about creativity and, and like making things how much I enjoy that. And so doing interviews and learning how to do interviews uh, over time has been a lot of fun and a lot of learning. Uh, there's actually, there have been a couple of interviews. I remember recording them and thinking, you know, that was a fun talk, but this is not podcast material. So, oh. so there's, there's been some of those, not many, um, but I think that's part of the process. Sometimes you have a good idea and you think, wow, this is a great topic and, and we're going to do this. And then I go back and I, and I listen to it and I go, yeah, nah, good idea, but that doesn't pass muster. Mm. Again, I think it's been more about noticing little things along the way and continuous improvement. So little tweaks to the website, uh, changes. Well, uh, for example, one of the things that I, I started doing with people, I, I'm really becoming a stickler about sound quality. Mm -hmm. And so in the past, if a person didn't have a microphone or earbuds or something, and they were just using the microphone on their computer, I thought, well, you know, it's not great, but eh, it's just a podcast. A lot of people have podcasts that sound that way. But over time, I've decided, no, that's, that's not the way to do it. it. I think out of respect to the listener, Sound quality is important. It's it's not like audio. It's I'm sorry. It's not like uh, video or not like being in person, where you can pick up all kinds of other context clues and cues about communication. When it's just audio, it's just the voice. I I think any obstructions in that channel become obstructions to the content and obstructions to people really being able to sit in, you know, and dig into the conversation. So. Over time, mm. I've, I've slowly uh, been working on improving the sound quality. I think that's important. Mm. Uh, it, it, does, it does make a difference uh, listening to good sound quality. It, there is a level of relaxation, you know, in the, list, in the focus of the listening that can happen, mm -hmm. which is, I think, is very difficult to achieve as a listener, you know, when the quality is not as as good. Mm. Yeah. Well, I, I listen to a fair number of podcasts, partly because I'm interested and partly because, you know, I like to learn from other people if I can. Mm. And, and some, po I've listened to some podcasts and the content is amazing and I love it, but the sound quality is so bad. I 
can't listen for long because I just get irritated or frustrated. So I'm, mm. I'm striving to not allow people to have that frustration experience with this one. Yeah. So apart from good sound quality, what, what are the things that, the qualities that you've appreciated or you appreciate in other podcasts, the ones you listen? Ah, that's, that's a good question. I like the ones that really feel like a conversation that really feel like people having a dialogue, which I feel we're doing right now. There's podcasts mm -hmm. I've listened to where they're clearly, I've got a set of questions, I'm asking the question, and I'm now listening to the response. Okay, very good. Next question. I, I find those, again, there may be good content that comes out of it, but they're stilted. So what I'm looking for with these podcasts really is to sit down with another practitioner you know, like we do, like we hang out over tea, or we hang mm -hmm. out over a meal, or we, you know, hang out over a microphone as we're doing right now. Um, but to capture conversations that actually matter, to capture conversations that allow something to be learned, something to be expressed and something to be learned. Yeah, it's like being invited to listening in someone else's conversation. Yes. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. that's what I'm trying to create with this. Yeah, I, I had no idea I was kind of an audio geek as well, but it's uh, that part is, is starting to show itself. Mm. And it, what about the development of the topics? Is, is this random? So people come random, you know, people come your way, practitioners uh, get recommended mm. to you and you interview them or are you following um, a thread or how, how is that uh, going? Yeah. Okay. That's, that's also a great question. So it starts with just interests that I have, right? Maybe a book that I've read. So for example, um, I interviewed the fellow who wrote Spark in the Machine a while back on Everyday Acupuncture Podcast because I read the book and I went, wow, this is really cool stuff. He's looking at embryology to talk about uh, Chinese physiology and to help show us how Chinese physiology actually has an embryological underpinning. And I thought, that is brilliant. And so I got him on the show. So sometimes it's my own, just things that have caught my interest. I will just call people up and say, uh, or email them and say, hey, I'm, you know, I'd love to have a conversation with you about this for the podcast. Other people come because of recommendations from other, other folks. Sometimes I'll be having a conversation with somebody in a podcast and they will mention someone else that they have found helpful or interesting or inspiring uh, or their work has been useful for them. And I, I write those down. I go check those folks out and if uh, if that spark is there for me as well, then I contact them. Mm -hmm. So the thing is really, I mean, as far as finding people to talk to, it's a very organic process. And it's not unlike being in clinic where you kind of follow the thread of what's going on with a patient and then other things just naturally arise. Yeah. So uh, what happens after that? Let's say... You know, um, 
a, a person you're interviewing mentions a, a practitioner with a lot of experience in a field and you think, oh, that might be interesting. And so what happens after that? How do well, you- often what I will do, especially if that practitioner uh, knows that person, has a personal relation with them, I will ask them to make an email introduction. Mm-hmm. And if, you know, from that email introduction, if the person is willing, then we set up a show and, uh, and do the show. I don't like to talk to people very much before I sit down to do the interview. I mean, just, just a quick hello, get to know you. Are you interested? If the answer is yes, then I want to really save the conversation that we have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for doing it live on the air. Well, doing it live on tape, so to speak. Because I, what I have mm. found, if I have a in-depth conversation with somebody about who they are and what they do, when we do it for the podcast, it's a little bit flatter. That sense of discovery is missing. Mm. And I prefer to have that. So in some ways, kind of like seeing a patient for the first time. I don't want to know too much about them when they first come in. I want to be able to do some palpation, do my Chinese diagnostics, you know, kind of get a sense, who is this person? You know, what are they presenting with in, in terms of the Chinese medicine methods that I use to, to understand what might be happening? You know, and then we have the conversation, what brought them in. And when I do these podcast shows, I like to have a little sense, oh, yeah, this person, maybe they study a particular kind of... Um, herbal tradition, or they've got a particular kind of acupuncture that they practice. That's all I need to know to get the conversation started. Because Mm -hmm. I want the conversation. I mean, I want to have my own sense of curiosity and discovery in the conversation. Yeah, so that is fresh. So it's fresh. As opposed to rehearsed. Yeah. I'm not a fan Mm -hmm. of rehearsed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Do you do any research on, you know, the... Because especially for everyday acupuncture, you've you've um, uh, also interviewed people who are not Chinese medicine um, practitioners, yeah. Right. But even in Chinese medicine, there might be styles of work you're not so familiar with. So, do you do any preparation in that into that particular type of um, into that background, or do you throw yourself in? I definitely do some preparation. If a person has a book, I want to. Sometimes I'll read the, the entire book. Sometimes I'll just read part of it. Uh, I like to look at their website. I, I like to get a, a bit of a sense of who they are and what they do, just so I can have some intelligent questions to ask. And then, yeah. and then I sit down and I do what I call my guiding questions. This is not a script, but it's a, it's a set of questions, usually five to seven questions, that I have generated because, you know, of reading their website or reading their work or or just, you know, maybe I've heard a bit about the kind of, of medicine they practice, but I don't know a lot. And, and I have questions about it. So I'll write those questions down, mostly to clarify my own thinking. And then I also send those along to the person, just so they've got an idea of a direction that I see the conversation going in. It's not set in stone by any means. But it's just a way of being able to start to connect and say, you know, here, here's kind of a thread that we can work with. And then I do the conversation and we see where it actually goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Um, I have a, a, a different type of question now, uh, which is bubbling up. And that's, um, I know you said you're an introvert in, in the sense that you can be very productive by yourself and you need that space and time. And I also think, you know, there's a, there's a saying, you know, it takes a village to raise a child. Yeah, here mm. you've had, in, in terms of projects, a, a series of uh, children. Um <laughs> So, who's your village? In recent years, the Sa'am acupuncture style has generated significant interest and a loyal and growing following. In the Sa'am approach, a precise diagnosis leads to a four-needle treatment to address the five-element and six-chi imbalances in the body. The four needles target the controlling and generating cycles it's common using this method for the needle sensation to be stronger than in many other styles. Thus, the choice of needle becomes important. The Unico brand of needles lends itself to both strong and gentle techniques. These superior needles are made of uncoated Japanese surgical stainless steel and feature the best guide tube on the market with its unique beveled edge. Additionally, Unico needles have a tensile property that helps with freehanding needles into Jingwell points and allows you to more easily feel the arrival of Qi. Blue Poppy is the exclusive importer and distributor of Unico needles. Use the code QI2024 to save 10% off Unico needles at www.bluepoppy.com. You'll be glad you did. Who's my village? Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, oh God, it's so trite, but it is a global village. <laughs> well, you're part of that village. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been having fun and interesting conversations since we met in that little restaurant in Chengdu. Mm. Um, I would say that my village absolutely includes my clinical practice and the patients that I see, you know, that that just so much roots my day and my way of thinking about things and in the work that matters most to me. That's mm-hmm. that that's where it comes from. Uh, the other village is, is the groups of practitioners that I know, you know, I used to live in Seattle for a long time. And I've, I've got lots of friends out there that are practitioners and we used to hang out a lot, you know, and we'd, we'd read books on medicine and drink tea and eat cookies and, you know, hang out. And, and if I had quite, you know, I've had questions, I could lean on them. And, and that, so those relationships are really important. And I, and I miss those living here in the Midwest. In fact, in some ways, starting up these, this podcast series, well, starting up everyday acupuncture in particular, was a way of being able to reach back out to my community of practitioners and feel like I was in touch. Mm-hmm. I feel a little isolated here in the American Midwest. And so mm-hmm. the podcast in some ways filled that sense of community that I used to have and I didn't have. Mm-hmm. There's that. Uh, there are f- friends and community that I have in Taiwan that mm-hmm are really important to me. I, I spent a few years living in Taiwan and it's still kind of a second home, even though I don't live there these days. 
Um, my yeah. heart's kind of there, and there's a group of people there that I know and I'm close to, and we talk medicine, and we talk lots of other things. And they're part of my village in that there's a mutual sense where we inspire each other along in the things that we're doing. And that that's a deep taproot for me. The other village, let's see what other village would I have? Well, the listeners in some way, I feel like I'm doing this work uh, to connect, to be connective. And that, you know, that, that informs my day. Do you hear back from them? I do. Yeah, I'd love to hear back more. In fact, if, if you're listening and you've got comments and would you like to start a conversation, there's a Facebook page for Geological. You're welcome to go leave comments. Um, and you're welcome to send me emails. I do get emails from folks with comments, suggestions, often a suggestion or recommendation for somebody that they would like to hear interviewed on the show. I get recommendation, well, questions, actually, and inquiries for topics that people would like to hear about, and I absolutely welcome those. So please feel free to pop over to the website. There's a, a contact form there. You can send me an email. There's the Facebook page. You're welcome to uh, use that. I'm not a huge Facebook user myself, but I, I know a lot of people are, and so there is a geological Facebook page. Um, and that's where I would have, you know, a more public comment form. So there's that. Mm -hmm. But mostly it's email is the method that people use to connect with me. And, um, and, I, and I love to have conversations with the people that are listening. So I'm available. Mm, I'm sure that could be very rich conversations. I hope so. I, I mean, I get lots of great ideas yeah. for shows from people that write in. Mm, mm. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of funny, actually, where, especially when I first started up Geological here. I thought, oh, my God, what if I can't find enough interesting people to talk to? Which, of course, <laughs> I know, that's a, it's a ridiculous and stupid idea. But it was running through my mind, actually, for months before I launched it. It's like, what if I can't get enough people to be on the show? And, and now it's moving from well, being... Yeah, now, I'm, now I've actually got shows booked out till the end of June. So... Uh, you know, what, what was that? What was that, that fear about there wouldn't be enough people to be on the show? That's just a little thing called resistance. Mm -hmm. You know, whenever you get into some kind of creative endeavor where you actually want to make something or do something or make a difference in the world, resistance always shows up in some way, shape, or form, and it, it just needs to be dealt with. Mm. How did you deal with that one in particular? Oh, I have... I have, uh, yeah, this is part of my village too, I guess. So there's a guy named Stephen Pressfield, who is a, he's a writer, he's an author, he's done some screenplays. Uh, if anybody's ever watched the movie Legend of Bagger Vance, he wrote the book. And evidently, according to Mr. Pressfield, um, he hated the movie, but of course he likes his book. I need to go read the book. I, I enjoyed the movie. He wrote a little book called The War of Art. Not the art of war, not the, not the Chinese classic on strategy. Yeah, yeah. This is the war of art. It's a thin little book. And it's probably the book that I've given away to more people than any other book. I mean, I've gifted it to lots and lots of people. Sometimes I send patients home with it. And he writes about the process of creativity, the process of creating art. 
and how we run into resistance on the way. And resistance doesn't mean we're doing it wrong. Resistance is the headwind of our progress. And anytime you set out to make a difference in this world, you're going to run into resistance. It has to show up. It's just the way nature works. And so you can't take it personally, and you can't stop it, and you have to be... You, how do I phrase this? You, you, have to deal, you have to deal with it in a relentless way. Mm. He describes resistance as a malevolent force of nature. It's just part of the way nature works, and it's malevolent. And it wants to stop us from doing our capital W work. And you just have to keep plugging along. And it's mm. most helpful if you recognize... Like if I decide to start procrastinating or I, I fall into that thought pattern about, oh, my God, does anybody want to be on the show? If I recognize it as the voice of resistance, then I can go, oh, right, that's resistance. How do I deal with resistance? I just take the next step forward and where I need to go. Hmm. I just take the next step forward. That next step may not work out. It may not be the thing I actually needed to do, but it's the next step which will take me to the next step, which will then take you to the next step. Mm. Uh, this is brilliant. And so I hope you're going to put the this guy's name and the title of his book on the geological notes, on the, you know, ah, the, the show page notes. dedicated yes, to this. I absolutely yeah, show will. Notes. Yeah. And uh, I'm very, I feel very strongly about what you said. I'm kind of impacted by it. I think I think whenever we move into the unknown, yeah, which any um, creative project requires to do, but in a, a lot of other things in life require mm. that, it really helps to have some guides, yeah, and a guide could simply be to have an idea of what you might encounter and how you might want to deal with that. Yes. It, yeah, it just facilitates process and and uh, let us see difficulties in a very different way and 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 this strongly reminds me of my very first uh, meditation experiences you know first i just started sitting down by myself and within like 20 minutes i would get really restless mm -hmm. and i thought that meant it was time to stop <laughs> <laughs> no oh yeah. that's when it's just it's beginning yeah, exactly, exactly. And then, and then, on a, I went and I jumped from that, you know, to to a ten days vipassana meditation course, and I understood really quickly because there was nothing else to do on this. You couldn't do anything else. That that moment of restlessness, that's when the work started. This was something to look at with interest, you know. That's that's when you roll up your sleeves. That's not when when you stand up, right? Uh, yeah, yes. and it completely changed what you know what I thought and what I was doing, and it opened the universe. You know, and what you're saying is is similar. You know, okay, I I come up against a block. Okay, it's a block. What does it mean? Oh, is it resistance? If it is resistance, then a whole set of skills and ideas, you know, might come to me as how I might deal with that. 
which is very different from just experiencing discomfort, yeah, and which might mean, okay, I need to take a break or I need to give up. Right. Right. Yeah. I might need to give up. Oh, it, oh, this this must not be the path. It's not it's not coming to me. Yeah, it's not flowing. It's not flowing. Well, yeah. So when there's a big obstruction, you got to flow around it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's you know it's it's yeah. so true, and and I mean I'm <laughs> I'm basically a lazy person in a lot of ways. <laughs> And and I've often had this erroneous thought that, well, you know, if it's really the right path, it should come with a certain amount of ease. And sometimes it does, you know, and it's and when it does, it's great. It's like, wow, in the flow, it's happening. This is fabulous. But sometimes it really is hard work. You mm-hmm. know, and like you say, you're, you're on your meditation cushion and you're getting restless. Oh, now's the time to get curious about the restlessness. Oh, mm-hmm. right. Doesn't mean get up. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, a question that stems from that, you know, if ease is not uh, and flow are not the factors that allow us to recognize that what that something that a path is right, you know, what are these clues? Mm. Well, the first thing that comes to mind is, and we so often come back to this in Chinese medicine, there's an yin yang relationship here. So flow indeed is a part of it. And if there's not periods where, where you've got this flow, you might want to look about changing things up because that absolutely needs to be there. At the same time, there's going to be times where we do come across these seemingly insurmountable obstructions. And so those are the times where we recognize it's time to roll up our sleeves and get to work. The question, I think, becomes, how do you know when to keep moving it forward? And how do you know when to quit? Because mm. sometimes quitting is the exact right thing to do. Mm. Right? Mm. And how do you know the difference? How do you know the difference? It's, good, it's mm. a good question, and I don't have a great answer for it. It's one of those questions that I sit with on a regular basis. To some degree, I think it depends on where you are in the project and and where you are with sort of your skills and goals and and all this stuff. So let me see. How do I phrase this? I'm I'm pulling now on uh, some ideas and materials from a guy named Seth Godin. Uh-huh. Yes. Uncle, I, I call him Uncle Seth. Seth Godin. I'll put mm-hmm. some links to him on the show notes page as well. He's a he's an author, he's a writer, he's a publisher, he's a marketer, he's an instigator, he's a rabble rouser. He's got a great haircut too, and he wears cool glasses. And he's really brilliant. And uh, he writes a he's got a blog that he writes on every single day. It's usually just a couple of paragraphs. Um, sometimes longer, but it's it's usually worth a read. And he talks about this a lot, about knowing when to press forward and when to quit. Mm. And I'm just, I mean, we're having this conversation at the moment. It's actually slipping away from me, something really concise that I could say about this. Let me just, uh, and, and I just also want to comment here. I need to go see a patient in about 12 minutes. So we're going to have to wind this oh, down cool. pretty yes. soon. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
when to quit and when to press forward. That, you know, at the moment, all I'm coming up with is this is something that we continually have to pay attention to. He talks a lot about doing our art, capital A, right? As in the war of art, art. He talks about doing our art, whether our art is an acupuncture practice, whether it's building websites, whether it's building rocket ships. He talks about doing our art and working in service of that, creating something wonderful, handmade, that comes from our heart and is something that we want to share with the world. And to keep our focus on that and to not join in the race to the bottom. In other words, don't commoditize it, right? Don't decide, I'm going to make the cheapest XYZ because you know what? You have to compete against Amazon. You will lose. Anytime, he says, anytime you engage in the race to the bottom, anytime you engage in, I want to try to reach the biggest market at the lowest price, he says, that, that's not making art. And so that, that's one of the measures that I use. Can, am I working on something that has value? Does it have value to me? Does it have val- more importantly, does it have value to my community? And am I holding myself to a higher standard? And the answer, if the answer is yes, then I just need to work through whatever resistance shows up. And at a certain point, like with the, uh, you know, the failed search engine optimization um, website, you know, and teaching thing that I had, uh, you know, at a certain point I go, you know what, I put a lot of energy into this and it's just not giving me enough love back. All right, gone. I'm going to put my energy into something that has juice in it. So I would say maybe mm-hmm. one of the things to look at is a time to quit Am I holding on to an idea or something? You know, I thought it was a good idea, but oh my God, it's like, you know, it's dead. Or is there something lively in it? If there's something lively, I'd say continue. And if there's not something, you know, and if there's not something lively, look into, can I lively it up a bit? And if the answer is no, then just drop it. Mm. Yeah. Oh, it's definitely loads of life in the in your most recent projects and geological. Yeah, no question about that. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a fun year with it. Yeah, is uh, any uh, is there anything else you'd like to share with listeners before we say goodbye? Ah, gosh, well, you know, I can ramble, but I've got a time commitment here because I have to go see a patient in just a few minutes. So, you know, just to say, uh, first of all, thank you for turning the tables on me and saying, hey, Michael Max, let me interview you. It's, um, it's, it's kind of fun to be on the other side of the microphone. I've had people do this from time to time. Over in, on uh, Everyday Acupuncture a while back, I had a patient say, can I interview you about herbs? And I thought, wow, great. Patients have questions about herbs all the time. Let's, let's do a show on that. So that, that was a fun one. So just, you know, thanks for letting me have an opportunity to, uh, you know, share a little bit of, of what I think and, you know, what's behind this podcast that you guys are listening to. Mm-hmm. And I always enjoy having conversations with you. So it, it's mm-hmm. fun to let yeah. people in on, uh, on our little tea parties here. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And thank you for sitting on that side of the table for once and for letting us see a little bit of what happens behind the scenes of geological especially it's been a pleasure 
pleasure has been all mine. Thanks as always for listening. If you liked this conversation, if you learned something new or found a moment of inspired insight, share the episode with your friends. If you want to support Geological, there's just one way to do that. It's by going to the website and becoming a member or leaving a one-time contribution today. Well, folks, that's it for today. Join us again next Tuesday for another conversation that connects up the voices of our community. Mm -hmm.